into our uh, scripture reading for today. It comes from Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 uh, in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles under your pews. And, uh, uh, or if you have your own Bible or Bible app handy, you can look that up. We're also going to project it behind me. We'll give you uh, a, a chance to look that up. Uh, and just to let folks know that we're going to be entering into a new series where we're going to be going through Romans 8. And we'll be going pretty in-depth. And so we're going to take just a few verses at a time because this is a pretty meaty chapter. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. And so uh, we want to take our time with that. So again, today's scripture is Romans 8, chapters, uh, chapter 8, excuse me, verses 1 through 4. And if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. If you're joining us here in person, um, if you're joining us at home, you definitely don't have to do that. But again, uh, Romans 8, 1 through 4, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Um, like I mentioned, we're going to be going into the series about Romans 8, and I have to say that um, this is a great chapter to meditate upon, if not try to memorize. Uh, it is one of the, the chapters that I have often used for scripture memorization, and I had this, this habit, especially like I was going through this, this season where I was like going through like panic attacks and I had trouble sleeping, and I had this routine where I would get like a, a mug of tea and heat it up. And then in the time that it took the tea to uh, cool down and for me to drink the tea, I would just read a little bit of Romans 8, just start with verse 1, and just try to memorize it. You know, it, it wasn't anything where it's like, oh, you need to memorize one verse a day. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, just try to get that word into you. And, and I would just kind of chew on the word again and again and again. And that's what meditation is. It's it, it, the... the uh, Hebrew word for meditation is rumination, is where we get um, th- this idea of like chewing, like, like an animal chewing on the word of God. And so I have to say that this is a great scripture to uh, chew on uh, because it is really dense. You guys ever have to chew on like a piece of meat uh, like for a really long time? Like uh, uh, people used to say about like football players, like as a metaphor, they'd be like, He's as tough as a $2 steak. Can you imagine how tough a $2 steak is? Right? The the more expensive the steak is, usually the more tender it is. So if it only costs $2, this is a true story. The dollar stores used to sell steak. I don't think they do anymore. I would not recommend buying steak from a dollar store. But I'm telling you, if you were to buy steak from a dollar store, you would probably be chewing for like an hour for like one piece of steak, right? It would take a really long time. And the point is that the denser something is, we do have to kind of chew on it. And that is the way it is with a lot of scripture. And I think for a lot of us, we don't have that patience. We haven't learned that yet. And so sometimes when we read scriptures like Romans 8, you know, either we, our, our, our minds and our eyes kind of gravitate to the uh, parts that are, like, easier for us to remember, you know? And then the parts that are just like, I don't know what that is. We just kind of gloss over it. 
And so I want to take our time. And so this is a scripture that I've had to chew on a lot. And I got to tell you, every time I come to it, I get something new. I get something fresh. Um, there, there is uh, uh, just so much depth in this. And so I, I want to encourage you. I know it's kind of after lunch. Maybe some of us are like, like a little, you know, food coma-ish or whatever. And so I want to encourage you just to do your best to, to stay with it. And, and, you know, if you get a little frustrated or whatever, or you start to like not understand, it's okay. But maybe just try to read it on your own. So during this time, you can just kind of read over that passage. And I don't want to take the entire chapter in one, one day. There's no way we could do that. So we just got four verses. That's it. And we're going to take our time right? Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll we'll take our time. If you don't understand, it's okay. We'll take some time to kind of just chew on it. Cool? All right. Well, today uh, we are talking about this idea of being set free. And I have to say that uh, I I think for a lot of us, we know that freedom is a big theme uh, for Christianity, right? And and there are uh, songs that we sing about being free, you know, um, about like no longer being slaves. I, I think, is that our closing praise today? Is it? Yeah? No longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. James and the praise team, they're going to sing this so much better than that. Don't worry. You, you all will too. It'll be a beautiful sound, right? But what does that mean? That free in Christ. What does it mean to have freedom in Christ? I have to say that I would sing this all the time when I was in church, but I didn't really understand what it meant. Like, I'm free. I'm free. But What are you free from? What are you free to do? Because I do think that in this world, freedom does mean something different. Freedom means uh, just a lack of restraint. You can do whatever you want. But the problem with that is you're not really free. Can you do whatever you want? Like, well, yeah, Pastor Steve, like, America is a free country, right? I can do whatever I want, But the spiritual reality that we believe, and this is what we're really talking about, is that we have a spiritual bondage. Okay, so maybe there's political freedom, right? Like you can uh, follow whatever religion you want. You know, you have freedom of speech. You have freedom to, you know, get whatever job you want, marry whoever you want. You know, we have those kinds of freedoms. But there is a, a, a spiritual kind of bondage that a lot of us have. And so one of the things that that we learn very quickly is when we start talking about freedom for rather than freedom from, this is where you start to see where spiritual bondage is. What do I mean by this? So when we start talking about what is the whole end goal here, right? Why are we talking about Romans 8? It's not just so you can understand that you are free because most of us, we already think that. We're like, yeah, I'm in a free country. Yay. You know, go USA, you know? But it's when you start realizing that there is that deeper layer of spiritual bondage. So let me give you an example. What if you have this issue in your life that comes up again and again? I'm just going to use one from my own life, like road rage, right? And so somebody cuts you off, right? And you get so angry. You lay on that horn, just burp, and you, you, like your blood pressure rises, and you have this sudden urge to ram the car in front of you, right? And it just bothers you. And maybe like, you know, you, you speed up and you pass by that person and you give them that glare. Last week we talked about gazing and glaring and glancing. You're not gazing at that person. You're glaring. You're like, 
You're so stupid. What's wrong with you? Who let you on the road? How did you have a license, right? And you're looking at them, those daggers, right? And you're so stupid, right? Like, you know, most of us, we don't actually ram the person. We don't follow them home. Some people do that, by the way. Uh, Very dangerous, very scary. But for a lot of us, you know, maybe the whole trajectory of your day, maybe you were having a great day before that. And all of a sudden, now you're thinking about this idiot on the road and how you were wronged. And I don't know, maybe for some of us who are parents or some of you who have like a partner or in, in your family, there was someone else in the car <laughs> when you lost your stuff. And then now they're like, dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like they're looking at you and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or you're like, ah, they deserve their whatever. Now you got to deal with the fallout of that. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is that what you really want? Do you want to fly off the handle every time someone cuts you off? I don't. I don't. But I do. (laughs) I do. It happens, right? It's just like this automatic thing, right? So let me use this language, friends, and, and, and let me see if you understand this. I can't help but get angry. Does that sound familiar? What does that sound like? I can't help but get angry get angry. I couldn't stop it. This is spiritual bondage, right? Do you get this? What about this? What if there is someone in your, uh, like, like, I don't know, in your family, someone who's really close to you, and they wrong you, right? They betray you, or maybe they didn't even betray you, but something happens that hurts you so bad, and in your mind, yeah, it's kind of like the, the example with the road rage. Like in your mind, you're like, I don't want to get so angry that it ruins my whole day. And now my parents are scared or like, like my kids are scared of me, excuse me, because I yelled in the car, right? I don't want that to happen, but it did. And I couldn't help it. I couldn't stop it. Maybe even hours after it happened, you're still thinking about it. You're like, why am I still thinking about this? Spiritual bondage. So what about like, like, Similarly, like you don't want to be like this, but you're so hurt by something that happened that now this person, you can't even speak to them. And maybe for you, like in your head, you're like, it would be better if I forgave them. It would be better if I stopped thinking about this. It would be better if this didn't hurt hurt me so much. But it does, right? And we see all the scripture about like, you know, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. And we hear that and we're like, okay. <laughs> and then you try to do it. And guess what? You can't. You cannot do it. What is that? What is that, friends? Spiritual bondage. Are you free? So remember what I said. It's not just freedom from. It's freedom to. Are you free to forgive? Are you free to be patient? and to manifest the fruit of the Spirit? Are you free to love people in a Christ-like way? Is there ever a situation where, like, I don't know, I'm just going to use this situation because this has happened to me, where there's, like, a a homeless person or something, and, you know, like, like my natural fear is, like, oh, man, like, like I I don't like this situation, and I just want to cross the street. And I've heard of stories where, like, man, you know, Homeless people, they're people. Of course, we know this, right? 
And how hurtful would that be that people cross the street rather than, you know, have to pass you and feel that, that pang of guilt or whatever? Because sometimes we don't know what to do. Like, oh, you know, should we give them money? Do I even have money? And, you know, like, what are they going to do with that money? Is this the right thing to do? What should I say? Should I pray for them? Should, should I say, God bless you? Should I look at them in the eye? But if I look them in the eye, will they get aggressive? Right? All this stuff. So then we don't want to, right? Part of us doesn't want to do this. But another part of us, and maybe the part that takes over, you end up crossing the street. You don't look them in the eye. And there's a part of you that's like, I want to love people. I want to love people the way Christ would love me. What would Jesus do if you were in that situation? Well, why can't you do it? Spiritual bondage. We're not free. We're not free the way we think we are. So friends, You're going to see this in this passage, and I want to go deep. So if you already understand this, great. But if, if, if you're like, Pastor Steve, I, I, you know, is that really like freedom? Like, like I, I don't fully understand. We're, we're going to go even deeper with this. So let's take a look. So let's dive right in, all right? Here we go, Romans 8.1. There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation? you guys. What is condemnation? It's this feeling of being judged or punished, right? It is judgment or punishment for something that you did, right? And for many of us, condemnation is something that you just feel automatically, okay? So I want you to understand that it's not just this idea of like, okay, I'm not condemned or judged, but what is the reality in your life? So this is another thing, going back to the spiritual bondage thing. There's some of us that we just feel bad all the time about stuff. It's just like automatic. I, I, I tell people this sometimes that I, I don't know if it is like my Asian American upbringing, if it is like being in the church where so much guilt and shame was emphasized, at least for me. And I've come to find that this is very unhealthy, but this is just the way I was raised. That for me, I kind of like begin the day at a I wake up in the morning, and I automatically just feel bad. <laughs> I just feel bad. Like, I didn't even do anything, right? There's, like, nothing to do. It, it could be, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. I just wake up in the morning, and I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know? I just have this feeling. What is that? Could it be condemnation? Could it be this automatic feeling of, I did something wrong. I did something that deserves a kind of punishment. Even if the punishment is just your thought process, right? That there's something wrong with you. Right? But we are told there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What, what is the therefore, therefore? That's one of the things you do when you read scripture, right? That you realize that there's something you needed to read in the previous passage. We're going to get to that. Why is there now no condemnation in Christ Jesus? We're going to talk about that. But the fact is that many of us feel it. And so, friends, I, I, I'm not saying this, uh, well, I think you'll understand this. But if you feel some condemnation, I want to argue that you are not completely free yet. And this is probably a lot of us, including your pastor, right? Now, it doesn't mean that that you don't believe in Jesus, okay? It It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means you're a human being, okay? It's all of us. We're not completely free. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free 
in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is where we usually get lost. Chapter, verse 1 is a very beloved verse where it's like, there's therefore no, no, no condemnation. And a lot of us are like, yeah, we don't want to feel condemnation. Then we get to verse 2, and we're just immediately lost. What does it mean by the law of the spirit of life, right? That this has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see the word law, right? And so we're thinking like Mosaic law, like all the laws that say like, you know, thou shalt not kill, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery, those kinds of things. Yeah, we're kind of there, right? But I want us to see what this is by going back to Romans 7. So we're going to go back to Romans 7 to understand what it means by law. So a very helpful thing for me when I was trying to understand this, because I was the same way. I read this and I was like, I just don't understand what that means. The law of the spirit of life. What, what kind of law is this? Right? What was very helpful for me was reading the message. Uh, this is um, Eugene Peterson. And it is not a, 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 like a word-for-word translation. It's more the spirit uh, of the scripture. And so if you ever get stuck reading scripture... The message might be a good thing to read. It's not the be-all, end-all, because it's not a direct translation, right? But sometimes gives you the spirit more of what they're trying to say. And one of the things that was very helpful for me is the way that Eugene Peterson translates law is rule. Okay, some of you are like, what's the difference, Pastor Steve? (laughs) Because law, we get really caught up with, I broke a law, I'm going to jail. But what about a rule? Right? Do you ever have unspoken rules? What is a rule? Do some of you have a rule for life that has nothing to do with a law? For instance, maybe there is an unspoken rule in your house that when you walk into your house, you take off your shoes. If you don't, you're not getting a ticket or anything, right? You're not going to jail, right? I don't know. Maybe your, your mom might yell at you or something like, hey, <laughs> take off your shoes, right? But if you go into someone else's house, let's say, you know, like it's an American person who doesn't have any kind of Asian background, right? Not everyone is like this, but if you go into another house, they might have a rule that you keep your shoes on, right? So what is the rule? The rule is just the way that you do things. It's kind of like a governing principle, right? And for most people, when you walk into that that house, right? For some of us, if you're used to taking off your shoes all the time, right, and then all of a sudden you don't, you're going to feel like something's wrong, right? You're going to want to. Your body, your mind, everything within you is like, ah, I just feel uncomfortable. Like like your feet start getting itchy. Like, I want to take off these shoes, right? That's law, okay? That's what it's talking about. It is this compulsion, this thing that is telling you this is the way things are supposed to be. So the law of the spirit of life is the rule, the reign of the spirit of life. If the spirit of life were operative in your life, if it was truly reigning in your life, it was truly ruling you, then you would do certain things. At least that's what it's trying to get you to do. So the law of the spirit of life wants you to live a certain way. What way? I mean, we'll get to this, but, you know, I'll just give you a hint. Most of the examples that we already used would be in the realm of the law of spirit of, of life, right? The, the, the law of, of, of the spirit of life might be things like forgiveness, right? Can you imagine if there was no forgiveness? 
if all we had was wrath and vengeance? What would that lead to, friends? What would it lead to? Sin and death, don't you think? We had no forgiveness. It wouldn't lead to life, would it? Forgiveness leads to life. The way of Christ, when Jesus talks about how we are to love people, this leads to life. There's a homeless person that needs food, but all of us are too scared to ever give them food. Then what happens to that person? They may not live. Right? So if we are able to be generous in loving the way that God desires us to, not only just in a direct way that person will get food, but also for us. What happens when you follow the law of sin and death? Well, we'll get into what that is, right? But what happens when you follow the law of the spirit of life? Remember when it talks about, you know, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest or life abundantly, life overflowing, right? Have you ever been able to forgive someone and you just feel that kind of like that weight lifted, right? And you just feel lighter. You feel more at peace. If you really were able to love someone the way that Jesus did, you're generous. Maybe some of you guys went to the soup kitchen, St. Andrews, and you served food to these uh, working poor and homeless folks. And it's not like you got paid to do this, but when you got out of that place, you just felt, you felt more joy. You felt more fulfilled. You know, what is that? That's life, right? Spirit of life. And so, friends, uh, I, I want to show us this more in depth. What's going on? Romans 7. So this is just right before we read this passage. This is what came right before it. It says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I've already told you, friends. When I get road rage and I lose my stuff, lose my temper, I hate it. I hate it. When I like yell in front of my kids, I hate it. You think I like doing that? But I do the thing that I hate. I do not understand my own actions. I don't understand why I did it, but I did, right? Do you start to understand, friends, what this spiritual bondage looks like? We are all there. I want you to see this, friends. I want you to read these passages and not think it's someone else. It's someone that doesn't know Jesus. Oh, he's talking about non-Christians. You know, he's talking about these bad people. He's talking about, like, drug dealers and murderers and stuff like that. No, Paul is talking about Paul. Paul is talking about Pastor Steve. Paul is talking about you and me and all of us, right? This is just the human condition. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Right? Because the idea is that the law tells us the way we're supposed to be. Right? And so when we're not doing it and we don't feel good about it, we're like, yeah, that law was right. <laughs> right? So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay, so this is where it gets a little bit abstract. Right? So we talk about this thing called sin. And this is the way that it often gets described right? That it's not sin as in your bad actions. Like you made a choice. You decided to sin. It's something that lives within you. So one of the things that we're going to hear a lot is flesh. 
right? And sometimes your, the scripture, uh, the people who translated it, will translate it as sinful flesh. This is what they're trying to get at. There is something within you, within all of us. Again, it's not just the murderers. It's all of us. It's pastors. It's Christians. It's everyone in this room. It's every single human being who ever lived. There's something that lives within you that is doing this, that is kind of steering the way that you act, right? And it is this thing, this sin that dwells within you. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, right? So this is what we're talking about. The sinful flesh. He's not talking about your body, right? When in, in, in um, Romans, the, the, uh, Paul uses the word sarks, which literally means flesh, right? There's a word soma, which means body, right? He could have used body, but he didn't. Because I don't think Paul is talking about your body. It's not saying that your body is bad. It's saying that there is this thing within you, this condition that is natural, that leads us to do certain things that we cannot help. And Paul happens to call it flesh, right? And that's why sometimes we call it sinful flesh. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand? We're not talking about your physical body, right? I got to tell you, Christians have gotten so twisted. We've just like denigrated the body. It's side of our bodies as being bad. There used to be Christians who used to whip themselves and stuff like that when they were sinful, you know, or when they had like bad thoughts. They'd be like, ah, you know, let's, you know, mortify the flesh, right? Let's punish ourselves. Ah, bad flesh, right? Like, no, man, it's not your body. It's within you. Right? It's the human condition. Right? And so, um, for I have the desire to do what is right. Right? There's, there's, there's these times where we're able to be kind of clear and we're like, I, I wish I could forgive. <laughs> I wish I could be more loving. I wish I could be more patient. I wish that when someone cut me off, I could just blow it off. Right? I could just be like, doesn't matter. Right? There is, for many of us, the desire to do what is right. So, friends, I have to say, not everyone is there. There are some people who are so aligned to their flesh, the sinful flesh, and the sinful flesh leads them, and they just feel justified doing it. And there are so many people like this, and this is why we have wars. (laughs) This is why we have genocide. This is why so many terrible things happen, because there are people who are like, yeah, my flesh led me down. Uh, and they don't even recognize it. They're like, well, that's just the way it is. Get out of my way. I want this. I'm going to do this. And I'm right to think this way. It's very dangerous, right? As a Christian, I hope that for a lot of us, you've at least gotten to the place where when your flesh leads you and you did something that you kind of know in the back of your head you shouldn't have done, but you had this moment of clarity where you're like, dude, why did I do that, Right? Like when you scream at someone or you're not able to forgive someone or, right, you fly off the handle, your flesh leads you down this path. And then later you're like, dude, I shouldn't have done that. Or you get like super jealous or, right? It's not a Christ-like reaction, but your flesh kind of leads you down this path, right? And maybe you have some decisions in this. But for a lot of us, we're way more powerless than we think, right? I mean, you do have some choices and you do have some power over it. Otherwise, we would all kill people who wrong us, right? Like, anytime someone cuts us off, we we would murder them. And we don't do that, right? You have some self-control. I think about ramming the person. I've never done it. Not yet. 
I hope I never do, right? So we do have some self-control, right? But not all the self-control, right? And I hope for most of us, we have this moment where we say, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. This is the part that's really important. Friends, do you understand your human condition? Because number one, I think you're going to be a lot more compassionate to yourself too. When you fly off the handle, when you do something that you regret later, you're going to be able to say, not, not say like, oh, well, you know, it's my flesh. I couldn't help it. But to be like, I know I can't help it. I don't want to stay there. Right? But I, I know that's not me entirely. Because I got to say, there are so many Christians who I think, they think that they're supposed to be a certain way. And so when they have these moments when the flesh takes over, We either sweep it under the rug, we act like it didn't happen, or we justify it. Well, they must have done something to deserve it. Because I'm a good person, right? It's not my problem. They provoked me. Does it sound familiar? Yeah? And so instead of taking the ownership and being like, hey, I mean, they got their stuff, and yeah, maybe they yelled, but I really shouldn't have yelled back. Right? I shouldn't have punched that person in the face. <laughs> I know I'm using extreme examples because I want you to see how this works, right? And, and, and just be able to say, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't have the ability to do what I know God wanted me to do. For I do not do the good I want. We're in verse 19 here. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul nailed it, man. I feel so seen when I read this. It, it's, it's a little bit like, like I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel a little too seen. But at the same time, I'm like, man, Paul gets it. This is some great spiritual insight, right? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So here's the law. So I find it to be a law. Or again, if you're having trouble with that word law, substitute it with rule. I find it to be a rule that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. It's a principle, an operating principle in my life that I am captive to. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, in in my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What does that mean? It's like this principle is within you, just in the same way that you just naturally take your shoes off when you go into a house, if that's what you're used to doing, if that's the rule that you have been following, in the same way. When someone wrongs you, I'm going to wrong you back, right? When someone doesn't forgive me, I'm not going to forgive you, right? It's this rule that we've been following, and we don't know how to break it. We don't have the ability to break it. We've just... We've been following it. There's another law that's been active, right? That, 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 you know, God says, hey, love your enemies. But we don't have the ability to follow that law. Does that make sense? Yeah? You guys get that? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We can sit with this. It's, it's a little tough, right? And so this is where we start to get the, the good news. Some of you are like, Pastor Steve, I get it. We're powerless. This kind of stinks. This is the natural condition. Where's the good news? And this is where we get it. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Like, if we keep going this way, it's going to kill us. It's not good for us, right? We know that. 
Who will deliver me? Who will save me? I really think that we've kind of lost the, 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 the whole idea of salvation because we made salvation about going to the good place when you die, and it is. Don't get me wrong. It is. But it's also, how do you save me now? How do you save me from this, this pattern of doing the things that I don't want to do, that I don't really want to do? I, I, I keep acting in a very unchristlike way, and, and it's, it's ruining me. I don't want to be like that anymore. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our master, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind's But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Who's going to save you? It's Jesus, right? So for God has done, now we're jumping back to Romans 8, by the way. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. It's the whole point, friends. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You cannot do it. Do we get that? I don't think we get that, right? We act like we can do it. Right? We think, like, hey, just try harder to, to forgive people. Hey, just try harder. Not in a million years will you be able to do it if you just try harder. It doesn't work that way. Right? We need to be saved. We need something to do what we could not do. And God can do that. Right? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned Sin in the flesh. Okay? So, what does that mean? Do you guys remember that song that we sang earlier, Man of Sorrows? Where it talks about Jesus coming and people are spitting on him. People are projecting all of their evil on him. And they're like, crucify him, kill him. Right? What would a natural person do? (laughs) who's being led by the flesh, who's being led by the law of sin and death. You know what we would do? (laughs) We uh, We would strike back. We would get angry, right? We would be like, forget you all, right? You know, or if you have any power, you'd be like, yo, I'm gonna come and get you. Jesus could have done that. He's Jesus. Jesus had a lot of power, yo, right? But what does he do instead? He takes the cross, guys, while they're spitting on him. He'd be like, yeah, you know what? No, he, he just takes it. He just takes it. He just walks down the road with that cross. He takes all of it upon himself. They crucify him on the cross. They put nails through his hands. And he sits there. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You ever thought, could you have done that? Could I have done that? No, I don't have the ability to do that, right? God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked just like us. He he went through all the temptations that we went through. And yet, he condemned sin in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. And he sacrificed himself so that that sin, that sinful self, could die. You notice what happens next. Not just you you kill it, but what happens to Jesus next? He gets resurrected. What do we believe? 
Did Jesus' same body just come back to life? No, he gets a new body, a spiritual body. What does that mean for us? We are meant to die to this other way of living, the way that we've always lived, and to rise and be a new kind of human, because that's exactly what Jesus did. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What is the righteous requirement of the law? I want to point back to, uh, this is Matthew chapter 5. Okay, And maybe this will start to make sense when we pull some of this stuff together. It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What does fulfill mean? It means to fill them out, right? To make them full. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the righteous requirement of the law. Jesus actually wants you to be a righteous person. What does that mean? To be a right person. Things the right way. So how did the Pharisees do things? Well, they did things for a lot of reasons. They did these things that look good on the surface, but they did them in order to make them look better, oftentimes, for their own gain, right? Sometimes they would do religious things, like give offerings to God, so people could see them and be like, oh, what a spiritual person that is, and they feel all proud. Or they would emphasize other people's look at that adulterer, look at that sinner, look at that thief, Right, So that they could feel superior and look down on these people. They weren't doing it for the right reasons. right? And so Jesus says, your righteousness needs to exceed their Because they're only righteous on the outside. I want you to be righteous on the inside. I want your righteousness to be fulfilled. Right? Not an empty righteousness, but a full righteousness. That when you love people, you love people because you are love. You have love within you. You're not love people, loving people to make yourself look better, right? You're not being righteous so that you can feel like you're a superior person or so that other people will pay you compliments, right? You're doing it because that's just who you are, right? You have become like Jesus. And so the law has been fulfilled within you. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. We're not following the flesh anymore. We're not doing what it says, but according to the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, who wants you to elevate you, who wants you to love like Jesus, who wants you to forgive like Jesus, right? And that's how we want to live. Friends, man, there's so much there, you know? And, and, and honestly, um, There's so much more to talk about, friends. But I just want to end on this scripture. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You ever think about why Jesus died for you? (laughs) What is it for? It's for freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from following your flesh. Freedom so now you can follow the spirit, the spirit of love. You can really love like Jesus. You can really forgive like Jesus. You can turn the other cheek. When someone cuts you off, you can just kind of brush it off and be like, hey, God bless you, brother. Like, seriously, you know, it it doesn't ruin your day. 
You're, you're just able to just kind of let it go. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be freedom? Oh man, I want that. I want that. Praise team, can you guys come up? And, and I just want to take a moment to look at this cross. You know, and, and, and I think that one of the most important things is to, to recognize two things I want us to recognize. Number one, you cannot do it on your own. It's just a human condition. This is the moment, right? When Paul says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. I can't do this. That's the moment you throw up your hands to heaven and you say, Jesus, save me. It's the only way you can be saved. It's the only way when you recognize that you need a savior. And the second thing is to realize that he is the savior. He was able to live the perfect life. He was able to take that cross for you. He was able to suffer the, 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 the mocking and the betrayal and all of the sin of the world. And yet, Jesus crucifies that flesh. And Jesus lives a different path. Jesus rises to live a different kind of life. He's offering that to us. Will you take it? He wants to save you. Friends, we're going to get there uh, in the coming weeks. We're going to talk more about what it means to be led by the Spirit. But can we at this moment just say that you need to be saved? Friends, I I want you to think, was there a time, you know, maybe some of you guys, you were thinking about scenes from your life. Was there a moment this past week where you know you were not at your best? You didn't act the way that you know Jesus would want you to. You weren't loving, you weren't forgiving, maybe you were wrathful, maybe you were jealous, maybe you were greedy, maybe you you were fearful. I don't know, friends. Can we just take a moment, in that moment, to think of that? Say, Lord, save me. I cannot do it on my own. Lord, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit, God, to set me free because I know I am in spiritual bondage. Friends, let's just take a moment to cry out to the Lord. If you know you need saving, to let him know that. Let's pray. God, I know, Lord, that I need to be saved. God, Lord, I know that my flesh is weak and I know that I have this tendency, God, to hold on to the wrongs that other people do to me, God. It reminds me of the wrongs that have been stored up in my body from the time that I was young, being overlooked and feeling like other people were getting ahead of me, God. And Lord, I know I have such a hard time letting that go and forgiving people. So Lord, will you save me? I can't do this on my own. I need you, Lord. Jesus, come and save me. Holy Spirit, I just throw up my hand. Lord, I need to be changed from the inside and out. Holy Spirit, come rule and reign. Come do what I cannot do. Lord, we need you. Jesus, you. And friends, can we do another thing? Is to thank Jesus and to remember what he did for you on the cross. And to know that he crucified sin and death. And so that we can live a new way. And so can we thank Jesus for the cross? Can we thank Jesus for the life that he lived, the, for the righteous life that he lived, for going to the cross for us? Let's pray. Precious God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for us. We could do, not do this on our own. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross, Jesus, that you 
were able to suffer, God, all of the slings and arrows of humanity, all of the the mocking and the torture and betrayal, Lord. You took that upon yourself and you died upon that cross, Lord, so that the, the sinful life would die, so that the flesh would be crucified, and so that you would reign in power, God, so that we could join in you, Lord, in this new way of life, God. We thank you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Precious God, thank you for doing what we could not do. Lord, we just continually say, Lord, save us. We need a Savior. God, we know that you are mighty to save, that you can set us free. Set us free, God, from all these things that we are in bondage to. But, Lord, when we still screw up, when we still sometimes follow the flesh, Lord, that that we not beat ourselves up, but instead we remember again what Jesus did for us on the cross. We remember again, Lord, that you have already won the victory on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.